Welcome, welcome all to the Pro Football Radio Podcast. This is your co-host, Jay Chima, with the senior contributor of the uh, Pro Football Radio Podcast, Eric Burgess, a.k.a. The Burge. Welcome into Podcast 109. Burge, how you What's doing go- today, brother? What's going on, buddy? You know, it's uh, coming up on the last week of the NFL season. It's hard to believe that, uh, you know, we're already going to be in, you know, almost mid-January after this week. It's crazy how fast the season went by. But uh, we get we got a good uh, playoff uh uh, wow, a playoff scenario is coming up here. So, you know, I mean, it's going to be an exciting month of, uh, you know, up to leading up to the Super Bowl. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. Um, and before we get into all of that, um, our uh, co-host uh, Puma is currently on the podcast with us. He is uh, taking care of some some uh, personal stuff. I believe it might be work stuff. I'm not exactly sure what's going on, but he'll be back next week. But in the meantime, we're here to fill in for him. Um, and you're right. Uh, it's week 18, the final you know, week of the regular season, and this is usually when I start to get really sad. I mean, I start getting sad about the midway point of the season because I know starting to just end, you know, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but now we're at the last week of the football season. I, I'm i just not looking forward to having no football on a Monday night or a Thursday night or any of that. So, you know, we're going to enjoy this last week, uh, hit the playoffs hard. It's going to be a, f- a bunch of really good games, um, and uh, we'll see who comes out on top in the Super Bowl, you know? You know, I mean, I, I you know you get I, I get sad too that you know we're not gonna have football on four nights a week, but this is the time of year when you're seeing like real good football in the playoffs. Like you know you're gonna get the best product best product on the field on you know Saturday Sunday. This year we're getting a Monday night playoff game, wild card weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know you'll still get a cup a little bit of uh, your fix there, but you know cold weather, it's playoff football time. You know I'm I'm ready to go. Yeah. That Monday Night Football game, I've got a hunch if the Patriots and Bills yep. stay where they are, that's going to be a Monday Night Football game, and that is going to be fun to watch. <laughs> yes, it is, and you know, I'm I'm secretly hoping for for that matchup because yeah. you know, as you know, we knew I was at that game in New England uh, when the Patriots just decided to lay their biggest egg of the season uh, in a big spot there. So I'm you know clamoring for a rematch there, and I think that that would be a great storyline leading into the playoffs. You know, rubber match between the two divisional foes who, you know, each took a game from each other in their own house. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that that's going to be the case. And I think there's a good good chance that that's going to happen based on, you know, a lot of these trash matchups that we're, you know, we're dealing with in week 18 of, uh, of the regular season. Yeah. And actually, let's talk about this right now. We're already talking about it. We'll give you guys our updated Super Bowl picks and where we stand going to the playoffs. But on the Patriots-Bills thing, I think... Me, as just a casual like observer of the NFL, I want that Patriots-Bills matchup so much just because it's like, you know, rubber match, you know, part three, who's going to win, who's going to break the tie, who's going to get the edge for the year. We truly get to know who's the ga- who, who mm-hmm. the better team is. The one thing I don't want is um, I, I don't want the Patriots to play against the Bengals. I, I Me think neither. What, what's happening with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and just how bad the Patriots secondary can be at times. I think Burrow's going to spread the Patriots' defense out and just pick them apart. I think with, with the Bills, I still have a lot of respect for Josh Allen, and I believe if I had to pick right now, I think maybe the Bills might win that matchup. But there's always that chance of Josh Allen throwing those three interceptions like he did last week against the Falcons and you know somehow Belichick scheming it up with another crazy plan of having Mac Jones throw two times instead of three times this time around and somehow mm-hmm. getting a win out of out of Buffalo. So I, I'm I'm so hoping it's the Patriots Bills, man. And and that would be great for you as well because you obviously want to see who the um you know the, the real team on top is. Yeah, for sure. And uh, you know, 
there's always a chance that, you know, with the game uh, likely, more than likely to be in Buffalo, uh, that you're going to be dealing with some adverse weather conditions up there. And, you know, for me, I, you know, a lot of people have like mixed opinions on, uh, you know, weather games in the NFL. I'm here for it. I love the, I love the elements. It's like old school football. I know we're not running around in the mud anymore like, you know, they used to do, but this just something about you know snow coming down or uh, you know high winds like we saw you know beginning of December up in Buffalo. There's mm-hmm. something about that that just adds that extra facet to the game that I love to see how teams you know try to combat it while trying to you know you know beat their opponent. Well, that's the beauty of the NFL, man. At the end of the day, the product is meant to be played in the weather in adverse conditions. You know, basketball is indoors. Baseball, mm-hmm. for the most part, is during the summer. You know, in Formula One racing, if it rains mm-hmm. too much, you can't you know run. But be- but football is that beautiful sport where the the weather adds to the whole nostalgia of the game, right? The snow starts coming down. You start to feel like a kid again. So I, I think it's part of the game. And, and I hope, and this is a different conversation, but the Bills have had some talks about maybe putting a dome up in their new stadium. And if that happens, I hope to God that doesn't happen. I feel like that would Me just too. take away so much from just what the Bills are and their mystique. And, you know, they put a dome up there to try to get the Super Bowl or something like that. Because, like, that that seems like the only way that, like, these Northeast teams would ever get a chance to host a Super Bowl. You'll never see a Super Bowl hosted in New England unless they put a dome in. Mm-hmm. So, like, maybe that the money is playing into that a bit. I know a lot of the fans, especially after that, that Patriots-Bills game up there at the beginning of December, were like, why don't we have a dome? This is ridiculous, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Like, it adds to the game. I hate mm-hmm. dome games because there's literally no – you know what the conditions are like when you're preparing for the game. It's 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 an extra challenge when you have to scheme for the you know the weather uh, to play a significant factor in the in the game. Whether you know maybe you're going for it on fourth down more than you know trying to kick a 50 yard field goal in 20 mile an hour winds. You know stuff like that. And I love I love that. It just it, it 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 increases you know the coaching and the you know the game planning and the everything and the strategy to to, to you know to win. So. Uh, if they put a dome in up there, I just I call them Sallies at that point. Like, come on now. <laughs> All right, well, let's talk about the playoff picture real quick and talk about Super Bowls and what our predictions are. I mean, at the moment, it seems that most of the playoff picture is set. We've got two or three teams still battling it out. But on the AFC side, we've got the Titans with the number one seed, the Chiefs with the number two seed, Bengals number three, Bills number four, Patriots clinch with the number five um, seed. Uh, at the moment, the Colts, the Chargers, and the Raiders and the Steelers are currently duking it out for the last two spots. Um, it all likelihood will be the uh, the Colts if they win against the uh, the Jags, I believe, this weekend. Um, Ravens then, are in that mix too. Ravens are in that mix too. Exactly. Surprisingly, Ravens as well. And then looks like the seventh seed is going to come down to the winner of the Chargers Raiders game, which is basically a win and you're in. And then the other side with the NFC, you've got the Packers at the number one seed, the Rams at number two seed. Bucks at three, Cowboys at four, Cardinals at five, um, and then looks like uh, Eagles have clinched as well. And then it's up in the air between the 49ers and the Saints for the last playoff spot. So um, a lot to be shaken out. Um, but my initial impersonation right now and what I think is going to be the Super Bowl matchup this year, you know, I've come to a hard realization that my boy Tom Brady and the Buccaneers probably aren't going to make it there there's just a lot of issues and injuries and concerns so i think if i had to pick right now i think i'm gonna go with the chiefs coming out of the afc and the packers coming out of the nfc and that is going to be a hell of a super bowl to watch just because i think yeah i know the chiefs just lost to the Bengals, but in the playoffs like even though the number two seed and they probably have to travel to tennessee to take on the tie-ins or whatever it is or host a AFC championship game at home against Bengals, bills wherever it is I still think they're, they're the best team in the AFC, and they'll eventually write the ship on the other side. 
I got no faith in the Rams. I'm sorry. Looks like they mm-hmm. might be imploding a little bit. <laughs> you got Jalen Ramsey out here punching his own teammates. Cowboys, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Uh, their offense isn't there. Arizona Cardinals, Kyler Murray seems to be crumbling. And the, and the Buccaneers, you know, Tom Brady, he's playing at a phenomenal MVP-esque level. But the rest of them around him, like, it's just crap. Antonio Brown quitting and we'll head on him here soon. You know, Leonard Fournette being hurt. Most of the offense being out. You know, Lamonte David being out on defense. Shaq Barrett is injured. JPP, there's just so many injuries that Tom Brady just isn't going to be able to supplement that this advance of his age. So I'm going to go with the Packers and the Chiefs at the moment for the Super Bowl matchup, and that's going to be one hell of a matchup. It's going to be an all-timer, man. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, you know, I'm with you on the NFC side. I think it's the Packers. Uh, they're going to, you know, I don't know if they're going to walk their way to the Super Bowl, but they've been clearly the best team in the NFC, in the NFL at this point. Uh you know, through week 17, uh, Aaron Rodgers is playing, uh, likely going to win the MVP, in my opinion. Uh, whether or not he should is another story, but I think he's going to be the MVP. You know, Devontae Adams, they got a two-headed monster at running back with uh, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon is a freaking wrecking ball out there. Uh, he's really come on this year. Um, their defense is playing well. Rasul Douglas, uh, a guy that I believe was signed off a practice squad at one point this year, is playing great. Um, so, yeah, give me the give me the Packers out of the NFC and for the AFC um, you know, Derrick Henry comes back and gets right. I'm going with the with the Tennessee Titans to go to the Super Bowl this year. Uh, I just I, I'm stunned that they're sitting atop the conference right now mm-hmm. after losing him. They lost to the Texans, you know, a, you know, a few weeks back. But they're still continuing to win, and they're in a good, a strong position to have home field throughout the playoffs. They win, they get it. And uh, Derrick Henry, I think the last stat I saw, he's still like seventh in the league. And rushing, and I don't want, I don't remember what week he got hurt, but he's been out for like two months. <laughs> so like that's absurd to me, and no doubt in my mind he would have broke the rushing record had he not got hurt. He's just a wrecking ball there. Deontay Foreman has filled in great for this Tennessee Titans team, um, and you know Kansas City uh, they got in a shootout with the Bengals last week and ended up you know not prevailing there. Their defense, in my opinion, might have got a little bit exposed. Uh, granted, the Titans and the Bengals play different football. But I, I just, uh, I'm not going to pick against Der- uh, Derrick Henry coming back if he's healthy and right again. So give me the Titans to play the Packers. I got the Packers winning that game uh, just because I think the Packers are the, you know, the best team to, you know, in the NFL this year, just over the course of the entire season, with the exception of the, the egg they laid in week one. Mm-hmm. So I assume you have Titans Chiefs in the AFC Championship game, right? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's what it is. But I, I won't rule out the Bengals getting there either. I, really? I think that uh, the Bengals? Well, I, they showed me something last mm-hmm. week, man, going into Kansas with or not into Kansas City, but winning at home against Kansas City. And, you know, their offense, Jamar Chase has been an absolute stud. He went absolutely off last week. Don't sleep on T. Higgins either or Tyler Boyd in that offense. Um, and, of course, they have Joe Mixon at running mm-hmm. back. So they, they have a pretty elite offense. Uh, C.J. Ozama. Yeah, C.J. Ozama is not, nothing, nothing to uh, sleep on either. So... Uh, there's just you know maybe they're a team of destiny. I don't. I Joe Burrow did get dinged up in that at the end of that game, but I think he was fine. I think he was dancing around in the locker room with a cigar in his mouth after they, you know, clinched the division there. Uh, my only concern with the Bengals is that they're going to do what you know the Bengals do best, and that's bangle it up in the playoffs and get there and not win a game. So well, well, that's that's interesting. You bring that up, and that's that's a great segue to this conversation because. 
you know, Joe Burrow is that culture changer. I mean, that's something that, mm-hmm. that scouts have said on him from day one, his confidence and who he is, how he walks, how he carries him throughout the locker room. And think about what he's done in just two short years of pulling that crap Bengals franchise out of the ground and into a an AFC North division winner. And when's the last time that's happened? That's been years since the yep. Bengals have done that. So I, I think, you know, he said this by himself because uh, somebody was talking about this. I think it was... Peter King or Colin Coward or one of these guys that was talking about how they had a conversation with Joe Burrow before the year started and talking about, well, you know, the Bengals are the Bengals. And, and he's talking about this. He's like, well, stop saying that. Like, you know, Joe mm-hmm. Burrow is one of those guys where he's like, I don't, I don't believe in that. It, that doesn't matter now. So I think he is one of those guys where, I mean, I, I hate saying this. I hate saying this so much. But he does so remind me of a younger Tom Brady. Like, just the way he carries himself, who he is, never out of it. You know, just, I think I think he has a swagger and the mentality to potentially be something great someday. So, on the other side of the NFC, I didn't get your NFC picks yet. I, I think for me, I'm going to lean towards Packers, Cow, uh, Packers uh, Buccaneers in the uh, NFC title game. And uh, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers will have to go up to Lambeau and probably end up losing that game. But who do you have come out of the NFC? It's a tough one for me. I, I mean... I want to say I, w- I want to say the Rams. I really do because they were my they were my Super Bowl pick uh, out of the NFC at the beginning of the season. Um, you know, with Matthew Stafford there, it'd be a great story to see him get to a Super Bowl, uh, get deep into a playoff uh, playoff run uh, to the NFC Championship game. But there's just something about that team, man. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, you hit on it when you talked about it about you know Jalen Ramsey punching his own teammate on the sideline. Uh, but Matthew Stafford has been inconsistent at a lot of times during this season here. A couple of bad interceptions that he's thrown. It's ended up costing his team some games. So uh, I'm not going to pick against Brady there. And, you know, to get to the the NFC title game, just because, you know, he's Tom Brady, he's the GOAT. And, uh, you know, I think Leonard Fournette's going to be back for the playoffs, if I'm not mistaken. I think he'll be back. Obviously, Godwin's out for the year. And, you know, Antonio Brown, we can get, <laughs> we're going to get into that in a bit. But he's a huge loss. But he's still got Gronk there. Need to see more out of their defense. The Jets ran all over them uh, in this, you know, this previous week. So they got to correct that, get healthy. Uh, if they do, don't rule it out. And you know, it's at that point, if they get healthy and are you know playing good football, you know, in the you know wild card weekend, and you start seeing like them, you know, like they did last year where they squeak, they didn't squeak it up, but they won that game in Washington, and then um, you know they went and they dominated the Saints. So if they if you see that kind of trend, look out because they could be going back to the Super Bowl. But I'm gonna be, I'm gonna agree with you on that. Green Bay and uh, Tampa Bay likely to uh, to be in the NFC title games. I got I'm I'm sad because I was high on the Cardinals again this year. They let me down. I no faith in them. Don't ask me to give faith to the Dallas Cowboys because I mean I watched some of that game uh, the other day and their their offense is completely inept, dropping balls everywhere. You know, fumbling. Uh, it's it's it kind of inexcusable at this point because of the amount of talent they have on that offense, and then you know don't ask me to trust you know the the Eagles or the Niners at, at this stage, especially yeah. if you know you're gonna gonna be carrying a rookie quarterback into the playoffs despite Trey Lance uh, you know playing very you know well in that one game that he started. Well, this is the last conversation I will have on this before we move on to the whole Antonio Brown saga, but. I never got your answer on this. I mean, Puma hit on, on this a little bit last year. You just mentioned you were high on the Cardinals before the year started. And and the book is on the Cardinals now. And last year, they started out hot. They, it, Kyle Murray had an injury, and they faltered down the stretch and make the playoffs. This year, they started out hot. They were unbelievable in the beginning of the year. 
Kyler Murray had another injury, and they've kind of whirled down the stretch as well, losing three out of the last four. So with that being said, is there something you as a fan can point to about the Cardinals, whether it's Cliff Kingsbury and the coaching or Kyler Murray and who he is and his injuries? Is there something you can point to that you've seen that makes you wonder, well, what's happening here? Why, why are they faltering down the stretch um, as the season progresses? Um, you know, it, it's tough for me to, to, to put it on, on the coach because mm-hmm. even when Kyler Murray was out, yeah, that team one, was right? able to win yeah. with Colt McCoy, yeah. with two and two and one with McCoy. It seems like the team gets tired and injured down the stretch. I mean, you're, they're playing without DeAndre Hopkins right now. You know, he's not going to be back to the playoffs. They're play, they were without James Conner uh, in the game against Dallas. I know they won the game, but I mean, he's been a touchdown machine for that team with you know with Chase Edmonds back there, pretty good two hundred monster at running back. Uh, you know, I, maybe it's a culture thing, and, and again, mm-hmm. that may come down to the coach. Um, and the quarterback, kind of that leadership in the locker room kind of thing. Um, but it, it, it's tough, and it's tough to watch because they, they were, what, 10-0? and 0? Yeah. And now they're 11-5? Yeah. They're, yeah. Now they're 11-5 and in and the five-hole, not even leading their division. And mm-hmm. unless the Rams lay an egg on Sunday, they're going to lose their division, which is crazy to think about. They're kind of like uh, like last year's Steelers where they were, what, 13-0 and 0 or something like yeah. that. They were rolling, and then right down the stretch they just – Blew it, and I think they lost the first game they played oh, in the playoffs last year. Blown up by like, the Browns, yeah. remember? Yeah, they got blown up by the Browns coming off the COVID stuff too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want I want to say probably if I'm going to pick pick something here, I want to say culture one, two, coaching. Just because you know these guys are you know are getting hurt all the time, maybe they're not in the best shape that they should be in to you know withstand the full length of the regular season. I think that's that 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 plays a big part in it. And then, you know, Kyler Murray, his play is, you know, he, we're talking about him as an MVP candidate mm-hmm. at like week eight again. We were doing the same thing we did last year and came, fell, fell right off a cliff again, uh, right down, uh, right down, you know, back to earth. And I, that's definitely a part of it. So. Yeah, and, and my initial inclination was to blame it on Cliff Kingsbury, but you hit it around the head, man. It, it, they went two and one with Cole McCoy when Kyler Murray was out. Like, who the hell can do that with Cole McCoy? And they looked decent in some of those games. Um, mm-hmm. I think you might hit on the head with the culture in the locker room and just who Kyler Murray is. I've, if you watch Kyler Murray closely, I've always had a problem with some of his body language, with the way mm-hmm. he kind of blame deflects on the field on the fly. He throws an interception, you know, way it's his fault, but he tries to make out to be the wide receiver's fault. I think there's a lot to be said about just who he is a leader or lack thereof and some of the stuff that he permeates in the locker room. I know one of the reasons they brought AJ Green in was yes, sure, he was gonna be another wide receiver threat, but they all but they all said that he was such a good leader in, in Cincinnati that they maybe he can bring that to the locker room as well. And mm-hmm. that for me and putting two and two together, it kinda of seems that there's a void at the quarterback position with the leadership and that might be what we're seeing here down the stretch. Which is which is tough to tough to see because that kid exactly. is so talented. He's one of the most talented quarterbacks in the league. Mm-hmm. Just in terms of his skill set, the kid can take off. He's fast and he's got a hell of an arm. So something upstairs clearly isn't 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 there with him. You know, like you said with the body language, I've noticed that too. And uh, watching some of their games, and it's 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 a bummer for me because like like I said last year, I was all aboard the Cardinals train. You know, Patriots were faltering. I was all aboard them, and they let me down. I was on them again this year. Like I wanted them to make some noise uh, in the conference. They still may. Who knows? You know, any given Sunday in the playoffs, but it's tough to see right now. Yeah. Well, speaking of bad body language, this next individual <laughs> portrays the worst of body language possible. But 
If you guys have been living under a rock, Antonio Brown once again had a meltdown. Stop me if you heard this before, right? But the gist of it is Antonio mm-hmm. Brown uh, and the Buccaneers are playing the Jets on Sunday. And in the middle of the third quarter, Antonio Brown could be seen having a conversation with Mike Evans. Decides to take off his jersey, his helmet, his shirt, throw it to the stands, and then runs off the field giving the deuces sign to the New York Jets crowd. After the game, uh, Bruce Arians basically said he's not a Buccaneer anymore. And as the days have gone by, we've heard different stories about how there was some friction on the sideline where Bruce Arians wanted him to go back in the game and Tony Brown decided not to go back in the game. And at that point, Bruce, Bruce Arians said, get out of my face or whatever he said, get out. And, and Tony Brown took that literally and <laughs> took everything off and went off the field. He got out in a sense. But... You know, we all saw this. We all laughed at it. We all had our jokes about it. But there, there is, you know, I think a serious situation that needs to be discussed here. I want to turn the floor over to you real quick. You know, what was your impressions when you saw this? What's your thoughts on what's happening? And just give me your overall imp- you know, impression of what AB is and who he's, what he is now. So, obviously, seeing the video and stuff, like, I was all aboard the clown train. I'm like, look at this guy. He's having another <laughs> mental breakdown. We knew this was going to happen at some point. It took a little bit longer than I think we all expected. It seemed like last year, you know, Tom Brady down there kind of got to him, and it seemed like he had turned a little bit of a corner in terms of, uh, you know, his, his his outbursts, you know, him being a quote-unquote diva receiver and, and all that. And then he pulls this stunt. I don't think I've ever seen anybody. Mm-hmm. I don't think mm-hmm. I've seen anything like this in any sport where they have just melted down so much where – Dude, the, the security th- didn't even know who he was, and they were ready to tackle him. Part, I wish that would have happened so much. I wish too. the perfect cherry on top. Like, he quits, and that's the way he tackles him immediately. <laughs> and, like, you just see security. Like, what's this guy? There's a fan on the field. Like, uh, Well, did you, did you hear the story about how he ran off the field and ran immediately to a uh, – New Jersey State Trooper. Yes. Is like, in his like, football pants and said, hey, could you please give me a ride to the airport? And they're like, of course not, you idiot. We're not going to do that. <laughs> who are you? Like, yeah, like, who the heck are you? Like, it was just like something I've never seen any at all. I mean, the game was ongoing and the dude's running in the mm-hmm. end zone across the field. Like, complete clown show. And to be honest with you, we knew this was coming at some point. At some point, he was going to have a mental breakdown and was going to go go off the deep end, you know, all over the place. And, you know, to start, you know, part of me is like, if the dude's saying he can't play, why is the coach trying to force him to go into the game? That's what I want to know. If, if that well, story's true, well, why? Let me give you some more context on that. So on the Pat McAfee show, and Skip Bayless also has some information to the Buccaneers locker room. Here's what happened. Apparently in the first half, Tom Brady was going to Gronk quite heavily and because, for the most part, Gronk had the preferable matchup. They, were, they had a smaller linebacker on him, sometimes a safety on him, and he was just basically getting wide open and the ball was being thrown to him mm-hmm. the whole first half. In the middle of the second quarter, Antonio Brown goes up to Brady and says, why aren't you throwing me the football? Are you going back to your boy? I mean, that's basically how it's being conveyed. And at that point, Brady just mm-hmm. was like, dude, what are you talking about? Are you serious right now? We can't be doing this right now, you know? Third quarter comes mm-hmm. back around, and that's when Antonio Brown starts pouting and essentially saying, well, if he's not throwing me the football, I'm not going back in the game. And AB and Bruce Aaron's like, well, listen, we need you out there. Can you please get out there? He still kept pouting, and that's when everything blew up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if he was really hurt, which, I mean, with him running off the field like that, I didn't see any signs of his exactly, ankle or right, his I mean, foot being fine, hurt. Yeah. So, like, so, you know, that's, that's, an, that's another topic we can talk about, but... This dude needs, like, serious mental health. And how he's not been released by the team, and I know we can, we're going to get into this, you know, you're going to get into it in a little bit here, but, like, 
the dude needs to be out of the out of the NFL because he, he's like a child right now. He's acting like a child and a child who, who's spoiled and gets everything he wants. So if another team's going to come in and pick him up and give him his money and let him play, the dude's never going to change or get better or work on himself or you know, you know try to fix himself as a human being, not even as a football player, as a human being. But I really believe that he needs to like he needs some like professional help before this gets worse. And, you, and I'm not going to say it, but you know what what worse is in this situation. And he he needs he needs it. And he hasn't been the same. I mean, I know he was the diva before the Vontez perfect hit, but after that, like it it came out like you know his, his whole his whole uh, breakdown about the helmet in in, in Oakland. Uh, I think it was Oakland still at the time. And you know his mental breakdown with that ended up getting him released there. He had a whole bunch of sexual assault allegations. He came to New England. That came out. He got cut. Was out of the league for a year. Came back. I think it was probably what halfway last year when when the when the uh, Bucks picked him up. Um, you know to to play with Brady down. The Brady picked him up. I mean it was essentially Brady. You know v- vouching for him at that point. And I just don't know how anybody can vouch for him at this point and not just say what needs to be said mm-hmm. and said you need to work on yourself. You need some help before this gets any worse because I, I don't want to be here for that and I don't think anybody wants to see that. And, you know, personally for me, for him as a human, I really hope he does get the help he needs to, to correct us, to, you know, to be a better father for his kids, you know, to be there for his family and all that. And if somebody's just going to come out and pay him the money and let him get away with this behavior, nothing's going to change. Well, here, let me start with this. And, and I want to say this as delicately as possible because, you know, in today's day and age, <laughs> I know, right? Exactly. Just by saying that, you know, (laughs) it's going to be a a hot take. But mental health is a real thing. If you Mm -hmm. need the help, I mean, it's so serious. It's something that, you know, me coming from a little bit of an older generation, maybe I sometimes don't understand it. But as I learn more about it, I try my best to have compassion and try to see their side Mm -hmm. of the picture. And and if you do have mental health issues, get the help you need. Absolutely. Absolutely. And he needs to. In my opinion, he needs to. Mm -hmm. And I I just I I wish somebody close to him would just be like, hey, you need to try to get through to him. And that that way to where he he finally makes that choice, because unfortunately, like getting mental mental health help like that, it only works if if the individual wants it. And he's got to make the decision to do it. And that's that's where somebody's got to come in. And like somebody like Tom Brady could be a perfect could be a perfect person to be like, hey, like, chill out. Like, if they don't release him, like, like you, we were talking offline about this. Like, somebody releases him, another team picks him up for the for the playoff run. Then, like, that screws the Buccaneers. So, like, fine, keep him on the payroll and just help him get the help that he needs, so he can he can you know work on himself and improve himself. Because I think that's truly what needs to happen, given the track record that we've seen over the last three years with him. Yeah, and and I think two things can be true. I do believe he needs the help and I believe, you know, he needs to have somebody sit down with him and talk about just, you know, it's not normal behavior what he's doing. He definitely needs some mental health help, right? But mm-hmm. I think the other part of this is maybe he's just a bad dude, man. Like, I, I, I'm mm. so sick and tired of people just dancing around this subject. Both of these things can be true. He could be a bad shit dude and he needs some mental, uh, mental help, right? Now... The compassion and the empathy part, I mean, that's something that I just don't have anymore for AB. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I know Tom Brady won on, you know, the, the post-game show and said we should have mm-hmm. empathy and compassion. But, dude, like, what about the compassion for the people that Antonio Brown has abused? 
Think about mm-hmm. over all the years that he's either emotionally abused. You know, there's women that said they physically abused him. There's people that he hasn't paid, taking money out of their mouths. Like, what What about those people and their, you know, hardships and compassion for those folks? And that's just something that Antonio Brown has never shown to somebody else. So why am I being asked to show him compassion? Mm-hmm. And I get it. It's a bigger issue with mental health and in today's mm-hmm. day and age. That's the big eraser we can use to whitewash a lot of this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But at some point, man, like, I, I, I just, I'm so sick and tired of this dude. And if he doesn't want the help, then I'm sorry, I've got no compassion for you. If you if you can't understand that this is not normal behavior and you got to sit down and have a conversation with somebody, then I'm just going to call for what it is. Maybe you need the help, but you're just a bad dude. You're a shit person, you know? Yeah, and like, like you said, both can be true here. And, you know, people can only do so much to help somebody. If somebody doesn't want to make that decision for themselves, then... You know, you're it's, without sounding ignorant here. You're a lost cause at that point. Like, you really, you really, it starts with the individual, and they need to make that decision for themselves with help from other people. Sure, I mean, like I said, Tom Brady, like you said, Tom Brady went off about a, a be empathetic of him and all this and that. It's like, well, Tom, why don't you try to push this dude who you call your friend? You you invited him into your house. Uh, I, I don't know if he did in Tampa Bay, but he did it in New England. Like, why don't you try to like get through to him and 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 try to try to push it? I'm, again, I'm not faulting Tom Brady for this, but like he seems like the perfect uh, the perfect support resource for Antonio Brown to get the help that he needs if you know he wants it. If he doesn't want it, then it's, at some point you've got to cut your losses as an individual and as like a, as an organization in the NFL. Well, I, I again, I'm not blaming Brady for this. I'm not blaming Brady yeah, for this. No, don't, don't. And, and, and I and I kind of am a little bit. I, I think with Brady and who he is, like the dude's all about winning. Maybe, maybe to a fault, he he, you know, with the big shiny carrot of winning a Super Bowl at the end of it. He just kept pushing and pushing this dude into something that maybe he shouldn't be doing. Maybe Antonio Brown yeah. shouldn't be on a football field at this moment. He should be talking to somebody that is a professional and can help him out. But you know, I think from the Buccaneers and, and the and the Brady side of this thing, like, listen, this was bound to happen eventually. It's yep. a miracle they kept them together for a year and a half. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. the fact that they got a Super Bowl win out of him and they got him to the Super Bowl and he contributed with a really key big touchdown play against Aaron mm-hmm. Matthew, one that I always remember the way he ran that out route. I mean, I, that's something that I guess is a win in the book of Brady and the Buccaneers. Uh, they kept him together for a year and a half, but eventually we knew this was going to happen and, and it all started to unravel. And, you know, it's just it's just sad at the end of the day. Antonio Brown is somebody now, I think, with what he displayed and that lasting image of us, of seeing him run off the field like that, it's probably going to cost him the Hall of Fame. Like, to be honest with you, he mm-hmm. is a Hall of Fame level talent. And mm-hmm. the way he was tracking for a while, he was going to get in. And I think with the next couple of years in Tampa with Tom Brady, he probably would have solidified that case. But now, there's absolutely no way in hell that lasting image of you running off the field shirtless is going to allow you to get into the Hall of Fame. And, and that's just sad, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And like you said, he's a, he's an incredible talent. I mean, I'll never forget when he what I think he kicked the punter remember, uh, yeah, yeah. on a punt return game. back yeah. with the Steelers. Yeah. <laughs> like 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 he did that and like he he wasn't insane talent. He was an insane fantasy football talent. He helped me win a fantasy football title back and I think it was one of his last years in uh in Pittsburgh. So like insane talent. He very well could be a bad dude. I think he does need some help and you know not to beat on it, but like where's the union the union should be helping him out mm-hmm. at this point if like if, if the teams aren't going to do it what where's the union being like hey here's a resource for you why don't you get some help and if he doesn't want it at that point like there's nothing you can do as as a support or a resource for this individual there's nothing else you could do it's it's gotta like i said 
few times already. It's got to start with him. If he doesn't want it, he clearly doesn't look like he wants it. I mean, he was sitting courtside for the Nets game, uh, you know, a day after, and, you know, sitting in the back of his, you know, Uber or whatever, his ride after the game, you know, letting him, the guy go live on, you know, Instagram with, with Antonio Brown in the backseat. That doesn't seem like a smart decision either. So, like, it was bound to happen, and, you know, it, it's it's too bad. And I just hope that, you know, he either gets the help he needs or, or no other team continues to enable him to uh, continue with this behavior. I personally think his career is over in the NFL after that display. I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't put a pass on the NFL team. No, we'll get to that in a second. But to yeah. round out that Hall of Fame topic, I mean, he, 2013, had 110 receptions. 2014, 129 receptions. Mm-hmm. 2015, 136 receptions. 2016, 106. 2017, 101. 2018, 104. 2019 in New England, he had four receptions. Yeah. Uh, 2020, he had 45 with Tampa Bay, and then in 2021, most of the most of them when he was hurt, he had 42. But I mean, that stretch with 129, 136, 106. Yeah. I mean that that is insane. That's six years of 110 ish on average receptions. I mean that is Hall of Fame in itself. But I think with how his career has ended up, with the fact that he quit on the Raiders, the fact that he, you know, essentially walked, talked his way out of town in New England and basically not quitting on the Buccaneers and Tom Brady, I think that's going to come back to bite him big time. And then finally, the whole like, you know, it's one thing to quit and then like it'd be, it, it, the optics of it would be fine if like he had a meltdown, he lost his shit. And then he immediately went to some sort of like rehab facility, right? Or he went to some sort of therapist and started talking to him, right? Mm-hmm. This dude is out there literally within 24 hours of quitting on the NFL, dropping a single, right? <laughs> yeah, Promoting that yeah. at the Nets game, wearing just like all kinds of blinged out shit like on the sideline. And just like promoting like crap products on his Instagram page. And I'm thinking to myself, like, is this a meltdown or is this really all planned? Like, I, I hate to sound just cynical, but I think he is that insane enough to be like, all right, well, I'm going to do this. It's going to bring a lot of exposure and then I'm going to drop my single. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I just, I, it's hard for me to, you know, provide that level of empathy and compassion mm-hmm. and understanding with his mental health issues when he seems to have this elaborate plan and scheme already worked out at the end of it once he did what he did. Absolutely. And, you know, it's, the only other time I can think of somebody quitting on their team in the middle of a game, I think, was Vontae Davis up in Buffalo. I used to have to do it at halftime. He did it at halftime. He didn't make a circ. Yeah, he didn't make a yeah. circus out of it, and he retired. He never played again in the NFL. Yeah. So like that was his like I'm out. I'm done. I this isn't for me. I'm done. And he you know what? He walked away. You haven't heard from him since. You know he's not he's not out. You know like you said posting his dropping his single his rap single on instagram and promoting trash products it's pretty bad i haven't even i won't even listen to it to be honest with you i don't even have any interest in listening to it but you know and just reading some of like i did read some of like the comments on his instagram page and the amount of support that this dude is getting Mm -hmm. for his behavior Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. so concerning uh not for him but like for the, the the people he caters to, it's like, mm-hmm. well, how can you support this dude's behavior like this? It, 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 for for me, as as a human, I can't like compute it logically. I can't do it. It's like this dude quit on his team, threw a shirt in the stands, went off the field shirtless in the middle of a game while plays were going on, piecing out to the crowd, to the point where the security was going to tackle him because they didn't even know who he was. And I'm just like, how can you support this dude? I, for me, in my head, I can't compute it. I can't make 
logical sense of it, it just doesn't, it's just, like you said, it's sad because of the talent that he has and the fact that he was such a beast earlier in his career and, you know, it's come to this and it's, it's been, you know, outside of him coming in and helping contribute to a Super Bowl win, the last three, four years of his career have been an absolute train wreck. Well, and real quick, real yeah, quick, right. can we can we give Mike Tomlin some credit here? Oh my God, for yes. putting up yes. with mm-hmm. Big Ben. Well, well, it's funny you say that because I know where you're going. You're going to give him <laughs> yeah. some props, right? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, we give him some props. Like that team was in contention all the time, and I know, I, I think I know where you're going to counter this yeah. at. But like Bell, uh, Brown, Ben, uh, Chase Claypool, now like keeping it all under control and still not having a losing season with that team, and mm-hmm. in a football sense. Like, dude, dude can uh, dude knows how to coach players at that point. Knows how to get through to players to keep them in line for that long. Well, this but is go ahead, go ahead with your is, point. Yeah. This is the thing that's so miffling to me is we we sit here and talk about enabling him and making sure he doesn't you know yeah. get all this positive reaffir- reaffirmation for what he's doing, and then we're sitting here and praising Tomlin for starting all this. I, know. I do believe Mike Tomlin is one of the main causes that AB has gotten this bad in his in in his you know mental health or whatever whatever is happening with him but we all remember that Facebook live that Antonio Brown did within mm. the locker room after the win against Kansas City in the playoffs and you know Tom is giving this fire and brimstone we're going to go up to New England we're going to bleep bleep you know all that stuff and all that stuff is being Facebook lived out of the locker room the sacred locker room of the Pittsburgh Steelers was on full display because of mm. Antonio Brown and after that, Mike Tomlin didn't punish him. He famously said, we're not going to punish ourselves. You remember that line? And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, when he sees that, he can do that kind of behavior, Antonio Brown, and get away with it. And then next year, get more money. On top of that, they gave him more money. Like, well, what do you think is going to happen? Like, Mike Tomlin, I get it. He kept it all together. And, and, and it's not his job. Trust me. This right. is where I differ. It's not his job to fix AB. His job is to win football games. And he's doing that well. But also, we we can't see where some of the stuff was enabling some of his behaviors now. Absolutely, you can definitely see it, and you could see when you know he had a coach that didn't really want to put up with it out in uh, Oakland with John Gruden. His first year there, he got cut in training camp. So well, you know, well, even that, uh, John Gruden was enabling the hell out of him, and it wasn't until it got so bad that you know they had to finally release him. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I yeah, know. I. It's it's sad. It's sad to see, and like I, I hate seeing talent wasted on stupid, stupid antics that you know takes away from the game and takes away from like me as a fan. Like I was a fan of him in Pittsburgh when you didn't hear about any of all this, and like he was he was good. He was like you got to watch out for him, and then you know he goes to the Raiders. You know the whole hard knocks thing. Uh, you know, in 2019 with him, you know, with a stupid helmet and this and that clearly came unraveled. And then, you know, uh, I was of the, the mindset, do not sign this guy, New England, please don't. And of course they did. And it didn't work out. And then, you know, I think the writing was on the, the writing was on the wall when Brady went to Tampa, that Antonio Brown was going to be yeah. in Tampa. It was just a matter of time. And he went in, he contributed. He seemed to have righted the ship. Last year, when they were winning games and going to the Super Bowl, and then you know it, it took almost almost this full season for it to come unraveled down there, and it came unraveled in a big way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we saw it, and you know the the part of this we haven't touched on yet. You know, the Buccaneers did. You know, he did have the fake vaccination thing over the over the summer. Yeah. Um, that fake vax led to. You know, three-game suspension, and at that point, I think Bruce Arians and Tom Brady should have walked away from this whole situation, but 
they basically enabled him in that situation as well, where they brought him back, and he was like, all right, well, if that's not going to get him kicked off the team, then nothing will, right? Um, mm-hmm. But a lot of it, a lot of stuff has come out saying that in that three-game suspension, Antonio Brown wasn't happy with how little support he got from the Buccaneers and, and the organization. And I'm thinking to myself, bro, you just committed a felony offense where anywhere else in America you probably could have gotten a charge on you and you're not happy they're not thrilled with you? Like, like what are we talking about here? And this is the way he thinks. And this is my bigger issue with Antonio Brown is because I think deep down, I think he's just a bad person. Like, deep mm-hmm. down to his core from his beginning, I think he's a bad person. And you can change your... And this is not just about Antonio Brown. You can change, this is about life in general. You can change your football team. You can change your city where you live. You can change your job. You can change your relationship. But you are who you are. And deep down, I just don't believe he's a good person. And, and I think it's all coming um, to a head now with him. It's very true. And, I mean, you look back at when uh, when the Buccaneers signed Antonio Brown last year where Bruce Aaron says one slip up and he's out the door. Like, it's not even close. And then, you know, for him to think that he's not getting any support through that where he did, like you said, commit a felony offense where mm-hmm. any one of us, if we did that, we'd be in jail. And... For him to come out, Bruce Arians to come out after that and saying, you know, he's part of our football team, this and that. How do you, what more support do you want there? Like, Mm -hmm. do you want them to try to fight the suspension? Like, that's not going to work. That's not going to change anything. Like, it's, and the fact that they, like you said, that they didn't just move on at that point. I mean, it speaks, you know, if they don't, if they don't lose Mike Evans, they don't lose Chris Godwin, they don't lose Leonard Fournette in that game last week, then maybe we're talking about something different here and he's out the door. But the fact that they lost Chris Godwin for the year, they lost Mike Evans for, I think, a week, and he came back and played, obviously, in this game uh, on Sunday against the Jets, and then losing Leonard Fournette, who's out probably until the playoffs, if they don't lose those players, he's probably gone. I, I think that there's a good chance that he gets gone, he gets cut, or the fact that you know maybe Tom Brady had the year there, and he said, no, 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 give him another chance, give him another chance. It's like, how many chances are you going to give this dude? Like, yeah. He's had so many chances in this league. That's why I am so hoping that this dude's career is done because it's just a storyline the league doesn't need. Yeah, and final thing I'll hit on this before we move on is I I, I've, I started watching that Jets-Buccaneers game when they were down 24-10. Um, I, I started tuning in. I'm like, holy crap, what's happening with the Buccaneers? I got to turn this on and check this in. So, like, second quarter I started watching it. And um, I'll never forget the scene where – Antonio Brown is having a full-on meltdown and running shirtless, half-naked off the field. And Tom Brady is as cold and stoic as I've ever seen him. Like, the man, no, nothing rattles this man. And, and after, you know, Antonio Brown left the field, they were still down 14 points. He led a, a monumental drive, came mm-hmm. back and won the game. And he's thrown to the likes of Cyril Grayson and Tyler Johnson and just all these no-names because, you know... Godwin's hurt and Antonio Brown is gone and Mike Evans they just never had the wavelength with Mike De- Evans and Tom Brady so he's just thrown to all these no names he's thrown to Le'Veon Bell for God's sakes Le'Veon Bell is a guy that at this point in his career shouldn't be in the NFL and he mm-hmm. looks like the slowest running back in the NFL at the moment but I- I'll just I'll just speak you know we don't need to give any more praise to Brady because he has all the accolades but just seeing that and going through all that bullshit of seeing Antonio Brown have his meltdown and just being as cold as possible through the whole endeavor and just come through in the clutch, it just speaks to the greatness of Tom Brady and who he is, man. Like, are you surprised? 
No, I'm not surprised, but I just like throwing that out there as much as possible. You know me. I mean, I mean, <laughs> come on. Like, I knew as soon as the Jets, as soon as Zach Wilson didn't get that first down when they went for it, that the game was over, that yeah. the, the Bucks were going to win. And I think yeah. that's pretty, pretty, uh, pretty standard thought process across the entire league that when Tom Brady gets the ball back with. I don't know what what was it like two minutes minute, at that point, yeah, like a minute like, forty some seconds, yeah. Like you, you know he's gonna go down the field in, in, in score to win the game. I mean it's 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 his mo. It's been his mo for 20, 22 years at this point. So nothing well, surprised just, me there. It just looked like because because for the longest time in Tampa for a year and a half he's been throwing some elite talent. Like that that was the first time I I felt like twenty seventeen New England, where it's like you've got Joe Grayson and Tyler Johnson, and you're gonna go and win this game. You feel me? Like it was just it was just nice to see. It was nice to see Tom Brady still has it, and you know, ninety three yards last last second drive to win the game. I just I just felt like it was the old Tom Brady of New England, and the guy just hasn't fallen off of any sort of cliff. We're not even deteriorated a little bit. It's just kind of kind of magical, you know. For sure, yeah, absolutely, and you know, we'll we'll see if that actually continues without you know with just Mike Evans out there now and Gronk uh in the playoffs against you know actual like teams we know what the Jets are yeah. the Jets are the Jets and this is where it actually applies based on our talk with the Bengals being the mm-hmm. Bengals this is the Jets are the Jets and they always will be the Jets with that so you know we'll see we'll see how it how it plays out uh you know down the stretch in yeah. the playoffs yeah and that's why I didn't pick them to win the the NFC or uh, or go to the Super Bowl just because yes I, I'm sure he can do it in spurts I just don't think he's, you know, young enough. Obviously, a younger time would be able to carry that to the Super Bowl, but he's at a point where he's 44 years old. I mean, how much more can you ask out of the guy? So mm-hmm. I think he'll be able to pull off a couple wins in the playoffs. I think he'll be able to get to the NFC Championship game. But for the for the Super Bowl, unfortunately, I think it's going to be a Packers versus um, Chiefs, uh, Chiefs Super Bowl. And that's going to be that's gonna be fun. I'm, I'm excited to see Mahomes versus uh, Rodgers in the Super Bowl. See an elite matchup, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's actually talk some football, man. Let's talk about the 11-5 Dallas Cowboys traveling up to Philadelphia to take on the 9-7 Philadelphia Eagles. Um, both teams have clinched a playoff spot. Um, the Dallas Cowboys have won the NFC East, and the Philadelphia Eagles have clinched a playoff uh, wild card spot. Um, seeding is still to be determined at the moment, but right off the bat, Burge, who do you got winning this game? Uh, I... So the spread in this game is the Eagles are getting seven points here. I like the Eagles to cover that. I, Dallas's offense is just been so mm-hmm. like inconsistent, inept at times. Um, you know, I was watching some of that Dallas Cardinals game uh, on Sunday and seeing like Zeke Elliott drop off passes. Uh, Tony Pollard, who's like they're supposed to be a two-headed monster running back with those two guys. Tony Pollard's dropping passes. Dak's fumbling the ball. Uh, there's just something about this Dallas team, and I don't know if it's Mike McCarthy. It very well could be the you know the coaching staff, Mike McCarthy. You know we know what he does in the playoffs uh, down there. It's just something about them. I just I, I get this like bad taste in my mouth when I think about them. You know, Dak's easily going to be the comeback player of the year for the NFL coming off the injury. He's had a great season, uh, but lately they have really fallen off uh in terms of their production on offense uh there were there was points of the year where we're talking about Dak Prescott as the MVP of the league uh it's been a while since we had those conversations but they were there especially after that performance they had uh in a losing effort on opening night where they think they put up more of a fight than anybody thought they were going to do against the reigning Super Bowl champions uh but there's just something about them that you know makes me think that they have just just leave such a a bad taste in my mouth on on the Eagles side you know they're they're running the ball well. Um, you know with with Boston Scott, Miles Sanders back to Jalen Hurts. Uh, he's 
been serviceable. You know, he, 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 for me, he's just he's he's a little too inconsistent for them to make like any kind of noise in the playoffs. Uh, I, I just I, I have the Eagles covering the seven points. I bet, I think I'm gonna still pick Dallas to win, just because of their talent level alone. I, they can make a multitude of mistakes, um, and still you know find a way to be in games uh, on you know both sides of the ball. Obviously, Michael Parsons and Trayvon Diggs back there on their defense. Michael Parsons very well could win Defensive Player of the Year as a rookie. Um, you know, he's an absolute stud. I he, I wanted the Patriots to draft him if he was there at 15 last year. Obviously, he wasn't. The Dallas made a trade and was able to take him. I think was he was their second choice uh, after the Panthers drafted a, uh, I think it was, um, uh, why am I drawing a blank on his name? J.C. Horn is who J. they Horn, were yep. targeting there. And uh, But they ended up with an absolute stud player in Michael Parsons. That dude's going to be a, a force mm-hmm. in the league for, for years to come. But... I think Dallas still will, will, will win the game, but I think it's going to be a lot closer than than you know Vegas is putting out right now. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of this game is going to be determined by how many starters play and how long they play. Yeah, exactly. it seems like with the Cowboys, they're going to be locked in the number number four spot in the playoffs. They've clinched their division; they're the lowest seeded division or division winner, so they're be a number four spot. I think with the Eagles, if they win, they could potentially move up to number six. Um, but for the most part, they're going to hover between six and seven, and at that point. Like, what are you playing for? Do you want to play for getting your ass beat by the Rams or getting beat by the Buccaneers? It doesn't really matter. Maybe right. maybe you want to take a trip out to L.A. so you have incentive to win this game, right? So, I don't know, really. It's a toss-up, man. Both teams have looked... You know, the Cowboys, you hit it right in the head. Their offense has been hit and miss a lot this year. They started out hard early in the year, but they've just been so up and down. I can't really make anything out of them. Even their defense has been hit or miss. Trayvon Diggs could look like an all-world beater, or he could be getting burnt for mm-hmm. 60 yard touchdowns, right? So there's a lot there. But on the other side, with the Eagles, I mean, truthfully, like I, right down here in my first bullet point is says, where the hell did the Eagles come from, right? Like, mm-hmm. who, I didn't realize until last week that they could clinch a playoff spot. And for, for some reason, I just buried the the Eagles as, all right, they're that team that's just kind of there. They're kind of sucking. We don't got to worry about them. And now I look up and then the playoffs. And it speaks to what that team has transformed into a lot early on in the year with the Eagles was, you know, Sirianni and the coaching staff putting so much on Jalen Hurts' plate and not running the ball enough, but now they've got a decent running attack as well. They're much more balanced on offense now. And with Jalen Hurts supplementing, you know, that that running attack, I I think they have become not dangerous, but somebody you definitely need to get your ears up for, right? And with Jalen Hurts, he reminds me so much of Lamar Jackson his first year, right? He does a lot of running. There's a lot of designed runs, easy throws for him, taking, getting him on the move, you know, cutting the field in half, making decisions easier for him. And if you look at the statistics, they're kind of, they're kind of the same as well. So I, I think I'm going to lean with the Cowboys to win this game just because they got so much more firepower, but I would not be shocked one bit if the Eagles did win this game. Yeah, I'm with, I'm with you there. I mean, I think through the first half of the season, like you said, they were putting so much on Jalen Hurts, and then all of a sudden, they, they they turned to their 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 running backs. They had Jordan Howard up from the practice squad. They had Miles Sanders, who you know ended up getting dinged up at some point. Boston Scott, Kenny Gainwell back there catching passes out of the backfield, and you know they they adapted their their offense on the fly. And you know, with that being said, like he's not going to win. And I know we clowned on him for his, you know, introductory press conference, yeah, but Sirianni, I'm pretty yeah. sure Nick Sirianni is going to get some votes for Coach of the Year. He's not going to win it. He's not going to be in the top three or top five, but he's going to get a vote. He's going to get some votes just because of what he's done um, 
transforming that offense and you know getting into this and you know, I have a good friend that's that that that's from the uh, the Philly area and is a big Eagles fan and I've had some conversations with him about this he's got some some of his friends that are Eagles fans that are, are basically wanting to move on from Jalen Hurts at this point right it's like yes and he's like dude he's, he, he was talking to me he's like dude like you, you wanted to get off of Wentz, and now you got Jalen because you wanted Hurts, and now you want to move off of Hurts? Like, I mean, I, I'm, I'm wondering if they, they saw what Gardner Minshew did in the game that he played, yeah. and he, you know, he, he tore it up. But, like, I mean, Jalen Hurts has not hurt this team at all. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's been a weapon on, on, on offense, you know, both throwing the ball and running the ball at, at, at some points. And, you know, I mean, I had him in fantasy. He was a great fantasy quarterback because of the amount of running he did. So, like... I, I don't buy that. I think Jalen Hurts has earned uh, earned his keep there at quarterback for them to move forward with him, at least through the duration of his rookie contract at this point. Well, what the hell are they going to do? Like, are they going to go out yeah, there and get exactly. Deshaun Watson? Like, I mean, a lot of these teams, like, they're so hell-bent on moving on from Baker Mayfield or wherever it is, and that's fine. I get that. Because if the guy isn't the guy and he's just a guy, then there's no point of putting more time and money into him. However, you've got to have a backup plan. You've got to have, an, uh, you know, are we going to go out there and get a Russell Wilson or can we make a play Deshaun Watson? If that's not the case, then... What are you doing here? You're gonna go back to <laughs> go back exactly. to Gardner Minshew, and that's fine. I do think Gardner Minshew is somebody that can potentially win you a few games. But I mean, I, I think with Jalen Hurts carrying this team, not carrying, but you know, getting this team to the playoffs, I think it says a lot. And you've got to give him another year to develop with the playoff mm-hmm. uh, appearance, man. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I think he's like I said. I think he's earned it. I think he's earned another I, year, I just, if not two, if not two at this point. And his numbers aren't that bad. I mean, he's 61% mm-hmm. completion is a little bit lower than league average. I get that. But he can work on that. 3,100 yards, 16 touchdowns, 9 interceptions, 87 uh, overall quarterback rating. And I don't have his rushing stats here, but I'm sure he has a decent amount of rushes as well. Um, let me take a look right at his. I got it right here. It's, um, uh, where is it? Where's his freaking stats? Yeah, I, I, he he's been rushing like crazy, and I think mm-hmm. he's he's yeah he's rushed for almost uh, almost uh, eight hundred yards and ten touchdowns this year. Oh, I mean, look at like, that. I mean, that's twenty six touchdowns accounted for, and yeah, I mean that's that's four thousand yards of, of output and twenty six touchdowns. Like, what more do you want? Exactly, and that's why I, that's why I like to clown on Eagles fans because I'm like, dude, come on. At least my buddy at this point is like reasonable, but like, mm-hmm. come on, like, what do you want as, as Eagles fans at this point? Like, your team. Miss the playoffs last year and are in the playoffs again this year. Like, you're trending up at this point. Why do you want to get rid of Hurts at this point? Like, get out of here. Get out of here with that. That's just trash. Like, do that. Remember they had Carson Wentz for a while, and now Carson Wentz is throwing insane, ridiculous interceptions, and it's probably gonna mm-hmm. hold back Frank Reich and the Colts in the in a really good Colts team in the playoffs. Like, yep. what more do you want out of that? You know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. Uh, let's move on to the next game. We've got the eight seven and one. Pittsburgh Steelers taking on the eight and eight Baltimore Ravens. Uh, last night we saw the Steelers take on the uh, the Cleveland Browns on Monday Night Football, and Big Ben had his last home game, and now he's gonna have his last game as a Steeler taking on the Baltimore Ravens, who've somehow fallen apart over the last you know month or so. Uh, Lamar Jackson hasn't been field in a while as well. So let me turn over you real quick and uh, get your thoughts. Who's gonna win this game? Uh, I think that this game has the potential to be an absolute dud. Uh, one of the, the the trash games of the. Uh, of the week 18 slate, but because it does have a little bit of playoff implications here, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to go Pitts, Pittsburgh is five and a half point dogs right now, uh, going down to Baltimore, I believe. And I, I'm going to, I'm going to go with the Pittsburgh Steelers to win this game. I, I think they're, you know, they're, they're playing a little bit better than 
what Baltimore's doing right now, Baltimore's, I think, lost five straight. Like, when they last won their game, they were sitting atop the AFC at this point. And obviously, Lamar Jackson's injury hurt. And, you know, the decisions to go for two uh, to win the game as opposed to tie in two consecutive games for John Harbaugh didn't pan out for them as, as he would have liked. Um, but I do have Pittsburgh covering and winning this game. I think that, you know, Baltimore's been an absolute train wreck. I think Lamar Jackson may be able to play in this game. If he does, you're going to see that spread definitely adjust down or may even just up at this point. I'm sorry, uh, you know, to have Baltimore be favored a little bit more. But Baltimore's been decimated by injuries all year. You know, they lost their backfield in the preseason and training camp. And, you know, they, they fought a lot of adversity. They lost, you know, a lot of a lot of talent on the defense. You know, Marlon Humphrey got hurt. But, you know, I neither of these teams are going to make the playoffs barring some significantly crazy uh, scenario to play out. Um, but yeah, give me Pittsburgh to win here. Ben Roethlisberger will ride off into the sunset with a, you know, I don't think he's had a losing season, uh, you know, with his, in his career. So, you know, it closed out his hall of fame career. Um, and you know, it was evident. I know we haven't had any, uh, official announcement from him, but I don't know if you saw the post game interview last oh, yeah. night where he's, you know, he's tearing up, choking up. Like you could tell, like he's done. He's, he's done. He's going to retire. He's not going to play for anybody else. And, uh, you know, hats off to a Hall of Fame career for that dude. And, you know, you just imagine if he maybe took care of himself a little bit better, uh, like Brady did, what they were. Because I remember there was, a, at some point, I think up until like 2016, 2017, uh, in terms of the AFC representation in the Super Bowl, it was Tom Brady, it was Peyton Manning, and it was Ben Roethlisberger outside of one year from Joe Flacco. It was one of those three guys every year in the Super Bowl representing the t- representing the AFC with New England um Indianapolis, Denver, and uh, Pittsburgh. So hats off to a Hall of Fame career for that guy. But I, I do like him to write off with a win into the sunset. Well, what you don't think chugging beers and eating hoagies is uh, exactly. good for care of your body? I mean, I think I think it's the best kind of self care. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay, man. Listen, I think I'm gonna have the Steelers winning this game just because they still have a path to get it, and it seems like. It's going to be unlikely, but the path is the Colts need to lose and the Chargers and Las Vegas uh, cannot end in a tie. And obviously, Steelers have to win this game as well, but mm-hmm. they've got more to play for. And this is going to be Big Ben's, you know, obviously last game as the Steelers. So they're going to be giving it all for him. Um, but I think, you know, watching that game last night, the thing that, that stood out to me about the Steelers was, dude, TJ Watt is an animal. Like yes, that is. guy is absolutely insane. I believe he is one sack short of the uh, 21.5 um, sack record for Michael Strahan in a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe he'll be able to get that. And listen, he should be the defensive player of the year. I think at this point, he and, you know, whether it's Michael Parsons or TJ Watt, I get it. Um, but these guys have been absolutely phenomenal. And, you know, I, I think just with what the Steelers are, what their organization stands for, I think they're going to want to get Big Ben a a good win on the way out. And, and on the other side, the, the Baltimore Ravens are just so depleted. I mean, it's finally caught up to them. They were riding high in the beginning of the year. They had the number one seed in the AFC for a little bit. And then all the injuries caught up to them. I mean, at this point, we haven't seen Lamar Jackson touch the football field in about a month. Um, mm-hmm. So that's caught up to them. They have multiple issues on, you know, on the injury front, the COVID front. On top of that, Jim Har- uh, John Harbaugh himself has uh, cost him a couple games, in my opinion. I think if he had a couple better decisions in those games where he went for to try to win immediately on the two-point conversions, I think some better you know, in-game coaching you could have potentially gotten you a couple of wins out of that or maybe one win out of that, and you could mm-hmm. still be in the playoff picture. So 
nobody but to blame but themselves for the Ravens and injuries. And, and I think a lot of that is going to come down to the Steelers winning on, on Sunday. Absolutely. I agree with all that. Now, before we move on, I want to touch on Lamar Jackson real quick just because we want to do a quick little... If, I, if I'm the Baltimore Ravens, if he's healthy, I'm not playing him on Sunday because there's nothing to play for at all, right? So in all likelihood, his numbers are going to end up with what? It was the 16 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. God, I don't have his rushing numbers in front of me, but let's add another 10 just for the hell of it. Um, he should probably have, what, 26 touchdowns this year? So, like, where do we stand about Lamar Jackson this year as, as a football player, as a quarterback? Has he developed? Has he regressed? You know, do you think they should be offering him a, a big contract? And do they, uh, should they be extending? Do they, have they picked up his fifth-year option yet or not? Do you know that? Uh, this is the fourth year, so I'm going to assume that they did. Um, I, I'm not sure, but he only rushed for two touchdowns this year. Really? Uh, Interesting. Yeah, I got the numbers in front of me here. He rushed for 767 yards, two touchdowns. So his output so, this year is kind of not the best. It's kind of gross, truthfully. It is, yeah. I mean, you know, he has missed a lot of time, which hasn't helped. Uh, but he played, you know, he played I mean, 12 games, though. I mean, 12 games he did. and 18 touchdowns, uh, that doesn't equate. No, no, it doesn't. And, you know, I, I, I'm pretty sure they did pick up his fifth-year option. Um, you know, I, I, I have to think that they should not, they definitely should not give him a long-term contract yet. They should make him go out and prove that he is continuing to develop because by his standards, he's had a bit of a down year this year. I mean, he threw career high in interceptions this year, uh, career low in passing touchdowns. And, you know, I mean, it's, it, he's just one of those players that's just kind of like, He's got all the talent and, you know, as a runner, and you know that's what the Ravens are trying to do with their offense. They're a run-first team. They've got a great rushing attack when they're healthy. But we've said it multiple times on this pod. I know you've said it yourself, Jay, plenty of times, that running the ball is not going to win you titles in the the NFL, uh, especially in today's days. Exactly. And, you know, looking at, you know, Lamar Jackson's numbers, I mean, he's played, based on going off of his 2020 numbers, He's played three less games. He's thrown 10 less interceptions. I'm sorry, 10 less touchdowns. And he's thrown four more interceptions than he did in 15 games last year. And, you know, looking at his rushing numbers, he's rushed, you know, 15 games last year, 12 games this year. He's rushed for 300 less yards, five less touchdowns. That's That that screams a bit of a regression right there, mm-hmm. uh, you know, from, from Lamar Jackson. And, you know, unless he... he, he they undoubtedly, if they didn't, I, I haven't found it yet on, on here, whether or not they picked it up. I have to assume they did because we are in his fourth year, so they would have had to have picked it up before the season this year uh, for his fifth year. But if he doesn't show, if he if he continues doing what he's doing this year, next year, they got to start thinking about moving on from him or at least, uh, you know, either franchise trade or, or something like that. Because he is a starting quarterback in the NFL. I think that we both agree on that, that he is a uh, – you know he's talented enough to, to to lead a pro offense, but is he that though? being said, I, I I think he is. I mean I mean he's been on a good team you know the last three years, and obviously this year you know I give him a little bit of a, a tiny bit of a pass based on the the amount of injuries that they the Ravens have suffered because you know they they've suffered an absorbent amount of injuries. They lost their top two running backs realistically before the season started, and that a lot of times you know on a run first team like. You look at like the New England Patriots, they're not going to overcome that if they lose Ramondre Stevenson, Damian Harris before the season started. That's going to really significantly impact their the way that they that they run the offense. And 
maybe they're they were asking Lamar to do more this year than he was capable of. And again, that's a flaw of his. But I think he absolutely is a starting quarterback in the league, and will get another shot if he does not, you know, sign a long term deal with the Ravens. But I think if if you're you know the Ravens organization, you have to start thinking about long term here. Do we go into the draft after next year to, to, to start over again? And will John Harbaugh be there for that? And, you know, all this and that, that kind of thing. You've got to start having the, those, uh, those, conver- those tough conversations. Well, and then the crux of my question basically is, have we seen enough development out of Lamar Jackson's passing attack to supplement, you know, or to take the burden off the running attack and essentially have a more, you know, pass-centric offense instead of more of a run-centric offense? Because the Ravens have made concessions on offense. They've made a deliberate concession to make sure they run the ball more than passing the ball just because that's what works best for Lamar Jackson. Down the road, that's not going to work anymore. And, And for me, I don't think I've seen enough of that, you know, development and passing where he can carry that team to a Super Bowl or deep in the playoffs with just his arm. There are going to be times where he's going to get injured or he's not going to have mm-hmm. the mobility. He's going to get older and he's going to have to rely more on his arm. And at the moment, I haven't seen enough of that in his passing ability to justify a longer, bigger extension. Now, I just Googled it while we we're talking. They have officially exercised his 50-year option, so he'll be back for the next year no matter what. But, you know, in the back of the Ravens, you know, front office minds, think you got to think about it logically. He hasn't, you know progress as a passer as well as you thought he would he's taken a lot of hits on his body he's a he's not just a finesse runner he, he runs through the tackles and he takes on some big hits mm-hmm. we're starting to see an injury pop up here and there with him he missed a lot of this year with injuries is this going to linger in the future what is the shelf life on a quarterback that takes a lot of hits right we saw happen with cam newton how quickly did it fall off a cliff so a lot of the things got to be taken into account before you give him that big extension and if i had to make a decision right now at this moment and obviously that's not the decision they gotta make right now but right now i wouldn't right now i would just franchise tag on 50 year option or whatever it is and keep them on the on the roster as long as possible before i can figure out what my what my next move is absolutely i'm i'm there with you on that like i said i think i think baltimore needs to have that long tough conversation to you know essentially start over again at that position and you know that's again talking from a lamar jackson standpoint i think he does get an he's only what 24 years old right now gonna be 25 in a couple of days He's got to get another shot somewhere else, no doubt. If he ever hits the free agent market or 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 whatever, he's going to get a trade. There's going to be a trade partner for the Ravens. But from a Ravens organizational standpoint, they they had uh, in 2019 they had an amazing you know run with their offense with Lamar Jackson. Lamar won the MVP. They went nowhere in the playoffs last year. They you know they had another good a really good season, but they went nowhere in the playoffs because they. Lamar Jackson threw them out of it up in Buffalo, which me as a Patriots fan and a, the resident Bills hater was punching massive air during that game, watching that that game unfold. So you know, he's gonna get another shot somewhere else. I just I, I if I'm the Ravens, I am not I'm not tying my my job, my future, you know, my assets, everything to this player. I think it's time that they need to start, whether it's this year or next year, to uh, go into the draft to try to find another. Uh, you know, a succession plan. Maybe that's Tyler Huntley at this point. We've seen him play well when mm-hmm. he's been out there. He, um, he looks like he can pass a little better. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, maybe it's him. Maybe they have the answer in-house already. 
Um, and maybe next year, if you know Tyler Huntley's still there and still playing well, I think he's a free agent. So I think somebody's going to throw the bag at him mm-hmm. uh, based on his performances in the games that he's played this year. But you see that happen. There's a chance that uh, you know Lamar Jackson may be on the bench at the end of his fifth year option if if Huntley's still there and ends up overtaking and the in the the Ravens organization makes a decision to go in a different direction. So yeah. it'll yeah, be interesting think, to see. Yeah, and this is why I don't have much faith in the Tennessee Titans because run centric offenses just don't do well in today's NFL. Whether it's run centric via your running backs or run centric with your quarterback, whatever it is. Those guys and those teams just don't do well in today's NFL where you've got to be able to come back from 14 points down or you've got to be able to throw them point for point against Patrick Mahomes in your division. And you're starting to see this a little bit with the Buffalo Bills as well. This is a trend that, you know, I'm picking up with the, with the Bills where they're running the ball a lot more with Josh Allen just to supplement some of his, I don't want to say regression, but he just isn't passing the ball as efficiently as he does in the past. And I think it's going to come back and bite the Bills just like it's going to bite the, the Ravens down the road as well. So... That's why I believe that, you know, you've got to have a quarterback can throw the football all over the yard. And so far at the moment, Lamar Jackson just hasn't shown that to us. For sure. And I mean, the Ravens don't have a Derrick Henry in their backfield to, you know, barrel over people and just go run wild. And, you know, you mentioned the Titans and a team with Derrick Henry is a team that very well, a healthy Derrick Henry that could prove that philosophy wrong because... Derrick Henry is that good. Well, and you, speaking of that, and I'm sorry to cut you off, did you by any chance see what Puma said in the chat like two days ago where it had the numbers of the first eight games with Derrick Henry and the uh, Tennessee Titans, their rushing attack, and then the second half of the season, it's identical. It's off between like 0.4 yards. And the point I was trying to make in that Twitter conversation was even the running back position is so devalued in the NFL that mm-hmm. even you know Derrick Henry can't make up that because it, it comes down to more about your blocking scheme, your run blocking scheme, and basically sure. how many fresh bodies of running back do you have to equate to a decent amount of you know rushing attack uh, numbers, right? So... I, I think Derrick Henry, he left he left the, the Titans in the middle of the season. They have not dropped off at all with their running attack. We saw a first time against the Patriots, and they're still the number one seed in the NFL. You feel me? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I, I, I do think that Derrick Henry is a different kind of animal, you know, in terms of his physical makeup and everything. Obviously, Deontay Foreman is a lesser, uh, a lesser Derrick Henry, so to speak. I know he's had a couple of really good days out there um you know for the uh for the titans since uh derrick henry went down but it'll be interesting to see because you know there's a lot of there actually is i think more this year a lot more of run first offenses at least it seems that way obviously being the afc a fan of the patriots you see the patriots you see the ravens you see the titans you see these teams that clearly are built around their running game and Obviously, if you meet a defense that can stop that running game and, you know, force you to throw, uh, you're going to run into problems. But, I mean, even if you're down seven, you know, seven, 14 points early and you want to run the ball, you can still do it. It's a matter of, like, whether or not your team can uh, come back in the third and fourth quarter Mm -hmm. when you're down that much, um, you know, to overcome it. Because, obviously, you can't consistently run the ball when you're trailing 14 points with 10 minutes to go in the game. Yeah. And just to give you guys some context on that Tennessee Titans uh, conversation we're having, uh, weeks one through eight, um, Derrick Henry had 937 rushing yards. 
weeks 9 through 17. So the last eight games, uh, the Titans have 985 yards, 4.3 rush yards per attempt for Derrick Henry, and then uh, 4.3 rush yards per attempt for the Tennessee Titans in the back half of the eight games. So it's it's kind of... <laughs> It just mirrors, like, I don't know to do with that information. I'm not saying Derek Henry's a basketball player because he's not. It's just insane that a, a good stable of running backs and a good offensive line can equate that equate that production for Derrick Henry. I mean, I'll just say this. I mean, just knowing what the talent Derrick Henry is, don't you think that a little bit of this can be played into defensive game planning against the Tennessee Titans when you're, you're game planning for A.J. Brown, uh, you know, as opposed in the passing attack versus a game plan for – Derrick Henry, uh, you know, running all over you when you know that's coming, when he's in there, and maybe being a little bit out, uh, the psychological aspect of coming into it, I think that plays a part of it. I'm not saying it's the reason why, uh, you know, you know, Derrick Henry's so good or why the Tennessee Titans are, you know, still running the ball like crazy with Foreman and uh, Dontrell Hillard and, you know, at a point, Adrian Peterson. But I'm just saying I think that that, that part of that plays into it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and and listen, we'll we'll see this year in the playoffs. They've got the perfect mm-hmm. scenario of the Titans. I mean, they got the number one seed. Derek Henry is coming back, presumably fresh. They've got three weeks until they play a football game again, and he he actually started running on the field yesterday. So we have three weeks of you know getting conditioned and ready for the game. So we'll see just how far a fresh, healthy Derek Henry can yeah, carry them in the playoffs. I, I still believe. Ryan Tannehill is going to be the fall guy for for why they're oh, yeah. going to get into the Super Bowl. I mean, listen, I, I knew everything I needed to know about Ryan Tannehill and that Tennessee Titans team when I saw two years ago in the AFC Championship game, the Titans went up to Kansas City, remember? The year mm-hmm. Kansas City went to play the 49 the Super Bowl. They were up by 10 points, with 10 or 14. Whatever it was, it was a double-digit lead. And they still couldn't close the ball, the game out because, obviously, Ryan Tannehill just isn't that guy. He couldn't go point for point with... Uh, with Patrick Mahomes, and in that moment, I made my decision. I'm not going to trust Ryan Tannehill or this tight team or Mike Vrabel until they figure out what the quarterback position is all about. And, and this is part of the reason why I think Mike Vrabel. I'm not the highest tone like most people. I know you're very high in him, but if you turn down Tom Brady for Ryan Tannehill, then you are you are a moron. I'm sorry. Like at the end of the day, you are a complete moron. I Man, I won't argue the fact that you're choosing Ryan Tannehill over Tom Brady, but. Uh, you got to look at it in context, which I'm not going to get into it at this point with the salary cap, everything. But, yeah, obviously, if you're choosing Ryan Tannehill in a vacuum over Tom Brady, you're an idiot. There we go. I mean, it basically was a vacuum. Tom Brady was a free agent, and he wanted to play for the Titans. That was one of the teams, and they said no. But, listen, we'll, 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 leave, that, we'll leave that for a different discussion because we have a discussion every day. <laughs> every day on Twitter. <laughs> This is actually going surprisingly well. We've been at this for 64, 73 minutes, and we haven't had a screaming match yet. <laughs> because we're not, we're, not, we're not previewing the Patriots game. <laughs> uh, all right, we've got two more games, and we're going to get out of here. But let's talk about the 9-7 49ers taking on the 12-4 Los Angeles Rams. The quick playoff scenario is um, the 49ers win this, uh, need this win, and they are into the playoffs. Um, so with that being said, Poo, uh, not Poo, I'm sorry, uh, Berg, we got to win this game. <laughs> Just have uh, it, you know? I- uh, I, I'm gonna go with the 49ers to win this game. They are four point dogs uh, at home against the Rams. I just the Rams don't really uh, gain much by winning this game. I know they can win the division, um, you know, with all that, but they're not gonna get the one seed. The Packers are playing against the lowly Detroit Lions, which I fully expect the uh, the Packers to take care of business against the Lions. I know that the Rams uh, have to win to clinch the division over the Arizona Cardinals. 
Um, but the 49ers have a little bit more to play for in this game. I haven't seen the latest update on Jimmy Garoppolo, but Trey Lance looked all right in there the uh, last week. Um, so whoever plays a quarterback isn't going to concern me. Um, you know, Eliza Mitchell's healthy on offense as well. George Kittle's a beast. I, I, I just like the 49ers at home to, uh, you know, secure their own fate uh, getting into the playoffs rather than having to rely on the uh, New Orleans Saints to lose to get in. So, uh, yeah, give me the uh, give me the 49ers here. I know they're four-point dogs, but I like them to win outright here. Yeah, I'll take the 49ers as well just because, like you said, it doesn't matter who's going to play quarterback. And, and even if it is Trey Lance, I, I kind of wish it is Trey Lance because they've got to move on to the future. I feel like Kyle Shanahan is using Jimmy Garoppolo as a crutch. But what we saw out of Trey Lance against his first win against the uh, Texans uh, a couple days ago, he had a decent performance. He was a little shaky in the first half. Mm-hmm. I was watching that game. Second half, he was absolutely flawless. He had like 140-some yards and a touchdown, um, 70% completion rate. He ran for another 31 yards. Uh, and they actually had some design runs for him. So they're looking to utilize him in both the run game and the pass game to bring him along. Um, they need this win, obviously, to get in. So I'm going to pick them. And they've won the last five games against the Rams. Somehow, mm-hmm. Kyle Shanahan has the upper hand on Sean McVay. On the other hand, the Rams, uh, I was um, a little worried about just like what I saw out of them against the, the Ravens. They won, obviously. Um, but I thought they were going to go in there and dominate the Ravens just because the Ravens are so beat up. Um, they're playing with the backup quarterback. I thought uh, this is one of those get-right games for the Rams. They come in, they throw up 40 points. Offense looks great. But there's just something about this team. I feel like they're just like one bad loss away from imploding, right? You're starting to see Jalen Ramsey punching his own teammates. You know, Matt, Stoff- Matt Stafford is still making insane Carson Wentz-esque turnovers. I, I don't think I there's two worst quarterbacks that make the worst like interceptions in the league. It's Carson Wentz and, and Stafford. And then, you know, the positive out of that Rams game is you're starting to see OBJ start to click a little bit with with mm-hmm. uh, Stafford, right? I think that's a positive sign. You know, he has five touchdowns now in about seven games with the Rams. He had six in a two-and-a-half-year span with the Browns. So it tells you what you need to know about Baker Mayfield and the wavelength that Matthew Stafford and OBJ have. So I'm going to take the, uh, the 49ers to win this game just because they need it more, even though it's in L.A., but um, I would not be shocked one bit if the Rams somehow, you know, come out and blow doors off the 49ers. Yeah, I, I kind of have that same mindset as you, and you know, I, Rams were my Super Bowl pick going into the uh, going into the season this year, and you hit it on the head with Matthew Stafford and his his Carson Wentz esque uh, interceptions. He's he, he's they've let me down there a little bit. Uh, they've lost some games because of it. So, in terms of their you know their hopes in the playoffs, I I'm kind of selling on them a bit unless they show me something in you know the first week or two of the playoffs. I but they you know. The chart, the uh, the Forty ers do need to win this game to uh, secure their own fate, and I, I I think Kyle Shannon gets a lot of a lot of knacks for uh, you know his coaching methods and stuff that he does, his press conferences, etc. But I think deep down he is a good coach, mm-hmm. and um, you know even with, the, with with Trey Lance in there, and I think that's the right move for the organization moving forward, considering the capital they gave up to go up and draft him. Uh, I'll be interested to see how he does in the spot. You know, if uh, you know if he is in there, and you know, you, this is a big game for them. It's a playoff game for the for the 49ers. They got to mm-hmm. win to you know secure their own fate. So I I, I I second all a lot of what you just said. 
Listen, if I'm Jimmy Garoppolo, I, I'm not even coming back from my injury. I'm just going to shut it down for the year yeah. and look at my next team next year. And I think that's going to push Kyle Shanahan out of that Jimmy G crutch. For some reason, he has some hesitancy of, of putting Trey Lance in. And, and I think it probably comes down to the fact that he doesn't like what he sees in practice. But mm-hmm. I mean, to be honest with you, like I know the Texans are a bad football team, but they do play some decent defense at times. I, I feel like they, they play hard for their coaches. They're one of those teams where, regardless of their crap losing record, like Davis Mills is going to throw up some some stats and some yards and the defense is going to play well and, and Trey Lance held his own he, he had a he had a good day I think a good building block day and you know with me and just the way I think about football and philosophy with the draft picks if you take somebody number three overall you've got to start him man you've got to start him year one and if not early in the year midway through the year we're at the end of the year and he's finally getting his first start so I think that's a little concerning but you know, this could be a great learning situation for Trey Lance. Get him out there, you know, see. Even if you don't make the playoffs, whatever. You don't expect to win the Super Bowl this year. Let's just shoot for next year and get Trey Lance ready. Absolutely. And then the final game of the week, the best game with the most playoff, inf- uh, you know, uh, implications. The 9-7 and Los Angeles Chargers are traveling to Las Vegas to take on the 9-7 and Raiders. It's very simple with this one. You win and you're in the playoffs. Very simple. With that being said, who you got, Burge? This game, man. I mean, both these teams have been so inconsistent and bad at times throughout the year. Uh, Las Vegas is coming off a big win against the Indianapolis Colts uh, to basically put themselves in this position uh, to be in the playoffs, which I think a lot of us, um, you know, midway through the year, given the John Gruden, uh, you know, stuff that happened with him and then the whole Henry Ruggs DUI uh, incident, we kind of wrote this team off. I know, Jay, I know you're trying to get your sister on the uh, the Las Vegas Raiders, uh, you know, fandom, so oh, to speak. We're, I know. we're watching it together Sunday night. and if, That's uh, awesome. If my boy Justin Herbert has a little bit of a bad game, I'm going to start punching her in the face because she's going <laughs> to be giving it to me. She's going to be like, she loves saying, Herbie ain't that guy. Herbie ain't that I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I like your sister already. I, I don't even know her, and I like her a lot. Whatever's going whatever's gonna, to you know, piss you off, I'm for it. No, I'm just kidding. Ultimate Anyways. troll, you know. <laughs> but, you know, this game's in Las Vegas. I'm going to pick the Raiders just because they're at home here. The Chargers have been like the epitome of inconsistency mm-hmm. throughout this year. I mean, there were there was a point early in the season where like, oh man, we got a new uh, you know AFC West division uh, winner here on our hands with the Chiefs faltering and Justin Herbert looking like you know what we expect out of him. Uh, you know, going into his second season, Austin Eckler in the backfield catching passes, running the ball effectively. Uh, Mike Williams, Keaton Allen doing their thing, and, and you know. They're just, they just, they're just so inconsistent. Their defense can't stop a nosebleed. Anybody can run all over them. I like, like we were talking about this before the pod. I agree with it. Josh Jacobs, I think, is going to have a day against mm-hmm. against the the Chargers' run defense here. And you know, Derek Carr was a guy we were talking about as a potential MVP early in the season. I, he obviously came back down to earth as the rest of the team did. You know, they they've dealt with a lot this year. They've dealt with a lot of adversity. Uh, you know, in the locker room with their coaching staff, everything. And I, I personally, I think it'd be a great story if this team finds a way to squeak into the playoffs. Whether even if they, you know, they're one and done, which they likely will be if they, you know, if they get in and they win this game, um, hell of a story for this team to fight through all that and, and you know and get there. I, yeah. I, I am gonna pick, I am gonna pick oh, the Raiders sorry. to win here. They are they are three point dogs uh, at home. I, I am gonna pick them to win outright here. <sighs> Go ahead. 
You know how much I love the Chargers than Justin Herbert, right? Uh, and I know how much you don't want to punch your sister in the face. <laughs> well, you know how much I just love me some Justin Herbert. And unfortunately, I'm going to pick the Raiders to win this game. It hurts for me to say this. But I like the only like the Chargers, they're such an infuriating team, man. They can literally on a week to week basis be the best team in the AFC West, go toe to toe with the Kansas City Chiefs, go into Arrowhead and beat them down, or they lose to them on Thursday night football game and where they basically I think they cost them their own game by themselves. Or they could mm-hmm. be the worst team in the AFC West when they're losing to teams like the Houston Texans or getting blown out by the Denver Broncos who can't throw the ball at points in the season. Mm-hmm. So they're such a seesaw of a team. And I get the Raiders are our seesaw of a team as well, but they're seesawing a different way. They're seesawing with the the emotional highs of everything off the field. We're talking like coaching and murder and like, you know, somebody getting killed. And I'm sorry, not, not, not murder, but somebody being in a, in a vehicular homicide, you know what I'm saying? Like, there, there's just, I, I feel like the play on the field is a little more consistent with the Raiders. And the fact that the Chargers have the third worst run D in the NFL, giving up 136 rush yards per game, means Josh Jacobs is going to be having a hell of a game. He's mm-hmm. probably going to get somewhere in the range of 110 yards, probably two touchdowns. They're going to run the hell out of the ball, milk the, the clock all day long, keep Justin Herbert on the sideline, and basically you know, win the game against the playoffs. And that's going to suck because you know the football fan of me wants to see the Chargers take on the Chiefs for part three, you know, just like the the Bills and the Patriots to get a tiebreaker going there. But I know with the Raiders getting in and playing the Chiefs, I'm sorry, the Raiders are going to get smoked by 50 points again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, Patrick Mahomes basically rolls out of bed, sees the Raiders on the schedule, and throws a 45 points. So, you know, I, I hope somehow Justin Herbert can just light it up, throw up, you know, 35 points, and they have no chance of winning with the Raiders. Just blowing them out of the water with their offense and taking... Uh, the rushing attack out of it if they get up big, but I, I just don't see that happening. I, I feel like this Chargers team is a year away, a good draft on, on defense away from actually making some noise in the playoffs. Absolutely, and I think, uh, you know, the um, the Raiders are hopeful that Darren Waller is going to be back playing this game. Mm-hmm. Hunter Renfro has been an absolute beast for this team this year. Uh, he, you know, Derek Carr is binky, so to speak. He loves throwing to him. Uh, he's he's a guy I'd love to see the Patriots get at some point. Um, just he's he's a baller, and you know I'm a huge Hunter Renfro fan, and I think he's going to have himself a day too. Especially if Darren Wall is out there and you know attracting attention for the Chargers defense uh, passing attack, and you know I, it, it's just it, it, both teams have been inconsistent, and you know for me to pick here, I I'm rooting for the Raiders just because of everything that that people the guys in that locker room have fought through this year and i think it would be a great story for them to get into the playoffs i don't obviously like you i don't i think they're gonna get blown out in their first game but i think that about you know the chargers as well i don't think that they stand a chance in the playoffs either so the better story for me would be the raiders fighting through all the adversity and uh you know you know get into the playoffs by controlling their own destiny and winning the game i think uh you hit a spot on i think what Derek Carr has been able to provide that locker room in respects to leadership, uh, I think speaks volumes to the character he has and the person he has. Because, I mean, the person he is. Because at the end of the day, like, your, your head coach ended up getting fired and then Henry Ruggs and everything else happens with that. Like, it takes a lot. <laughs> it takes a lot to get your team to, you know, essentially play week to week and still stay in the season. 
And I think Derek Carr has provided so much leadership. I know he's not going to win the MVP, but the NFL really needs to make up some sort of like new award, like some sort of subjective, like most outstanding mm-hmm. player, whatever it is that they can like give to players like Derek Carr that have shown just some sort of like great leadership and provided, you know, stats and wins for their teams. I, I think they really got to expand that. Truthfully, listen, with John Madden passing, I think they should probably name something in his honor in this yeah. new award. That would be a perfect way to kind of recognize John Madden and potentially having another award that would be a little bit more subjective than just the MVP award, which is basically a glorified, you know, quarterback uh, award at this point in time. Yeah, it's a glorified statistical quarterback award. You know, I totally agree with you on that. I think that would be great. Uh, you know, you know, for the league, and you just you think about everything that this team has got through. They just went into Indianapolis last week and beat the Colts, mm-hmm. who were rolling. They were rolling uh, going into that game. You know, I mean, they they beat the Patriots handedly. They blew the Patriots out for all intents and purposes. And, you know, with their rushing attack and, you know, they have a great coach in Frank Reich. And, you know, the Raiders went in and they beat the Colts. And for a lot of team, a lot of people were picking the Colts, you know, to make a deep playoff run. And for them to do that and, you know, put themselves in this position to have a chance to win and get in the playoffs, I think speaks volumes to the character of the team that they have right now, the guys in that locker room. And it would be a great story to see them get into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. That'd be awesome. Um, well, that basically wraps up the agenda for the podcast, sir. I mean, we made it through everything we wanted to talk about. We uh, made it through in uh, 90 minutes. Holy crap, an hour and a half. You and I talked for 90 minutes, and we did not end up ripping each other's throats out. That's a that's a, that's an accomplishment in itself. They should name an award after us. Hey man, listen, we're just uh, <laughs> we're just models of uh, professionalism, right? We're we're the beacon of integrity. So I think we were, we did just fine, you know. Do 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 we want to do we want to turn this into a three hour podcast by me mentioning the name Bell Goat? Like we could. I. <laughs> No, no, don't do it. Don't do it. Take the bait. I have have so much to say about that, but we'll let the the Bella Fraud conversation lie for today, and we'll revisit that in the the offseason. I'm just, I'm Fair just enough. waiting. I'm just waiting for the season to end, where and decide where everybody lands, so I can have my solidified talking points for the rest of the off season. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. The worst, the worst case scenario for for you and Bellafar would be to lose the Bills in the playoffs. You can't let that happen. All right. <laughs> Ain't gonna change my. It's gonna. Be, it's gonna be the. It's gonna be the worst case for our listeners to have to listen to us bicker back and forth for two hours about it. <laughs> and Puma sitting over there being like, "Can we talk about something else, please? Yeah. Come on now, let's move on." <laughs> well, I, th- I think even Puma's a little bit invested in the whole whole like uh, conversation now because a lot of it. This year has been tied in with the Buffalo Bills. I mean, just because of who the Bills are and who the Patriots are playing for the AFC East crown title and Puma being a quasi-Bills fan, I think he's kind quasi. of... Quasi. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, semi-Bills fan, you know, I think. <laughs> so uh, I think he, he's kind of enjoying the conversation. Well. But it, this, this is what we do for. It's all fun and games, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, it's fun and games on mine. I think there's some times where I think you're going to drive to Columbus and kill me. <laughs> there's really Dude, some there's times been where I'm like, times where I'm like... I'm like I'm not even I'm not even gonna talk to these guys. I'm done. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> I can tell when we're like me and Puma are going back and forth for like a day and a half, and we're like, "Is Bert still alive? Is he okay?" <laughs> oh, I, I read the messages. I read the messages. I just don't take the bait. I don't take the bait. 
Oh, there'll so be times where you'll get me to take. You'll, there'll be times where you're gonna get me to take the bait. Tonight was one of those nights in the Instagram chat. I took the bait. There's no bait. It's just facts, brother. We're just talking bait. facts. Bait. All right. Oh man. All right. Well, uh, listen. That was only three minutes, so we could have done that for three more hours. At but risk listen. of uh, at risk of us turning this into a three-hour podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm never as good as uh, Pumas with this plugging uh, stuff up, but uh, let me just go ahead and give you some quick uh, contact information if you want to get in touch with the Profile Radio uh, accounts. Uh, oh, let me pull it up. All right. So on Instagram, we are at uh, at Pro Football Radio. Um, on Twitter, we are at PFR Podcast. I am at at Jay Chima on Twitter. You are at Burge the Goalie, correct? At Twitter. Yep. And then Puma is Brando underscore Puma on Twitter as well. So uh, if you can give us a follow, um, reach out to us. We're more than happy to conversate with you. Um, follow us on on YouTube, uh, Pro Football Radio, on TikTok, on at Pro Football Radio as well, and then on Apple Podcasts as well, wherever you subscribe to your podcast service, whether it's Spotify or Apple. So we're on all platforms. We welcome the interaction. If you guys have any questions, we're more than happy to answer for you guys. Give us give us uh, give us your take on Bill Belichick, and you'll get a nice long Twitter thread of. <laughs> Me and Jay Chima going back and forth, and you can chime in whenever you want, but it'll be entertaining for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, I'm just looking forward to that Patriots Buccaneers Super Bowl, just as we all predicted it's going to be, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Looks like both teams ain't going to be there. <laughs> yeah, seriously, right? All right, well, listen, that does it for Podcast 109. Uh, we'll be back next week with Puma and Bird as well, and we'll get you guys set for the playoffs. See you guys next Let's week. Let's go. Peace. Peace.